Hello, lovely lifestyle entrepreneur listener, and welcome to the show, where today we are looking to empower your dreams through the art of manifestation. We're going to be delving into personal transformation so that whether you're jumping from your professional life or you're growing your business in an online world, we are going to entertain, educate, and motivate you to take charge of your destiny. And don't forget, if you love this episode, then to subscribe to the newsletter, which is link is in the show notes. I'm doing a 365 days of manifesting financial freedom and abundance challenge. If you want to hear all about that, then definitely subscribe. So first of all, let's delve right into what is manifestation. Then we're going to cover seven steps according to Roxy Nafusi about how you can manifest anything in your life. She says seven steps to living your best life according to Roxy Nafusi. We're going to talk about the science versus the woo-woo. I'm going to cover some of the elements where science has already proven to us that some of this stuff is real. And, And then we're going to call out the stuff that you just either have to believe in or decide to not take notice of altogether. And I'm also going to share some real life stories so that you can think about whether you're going to unleash your manifesting power using the science that we're talking about. Okay, so let's delve right in. What is manifestation? You can coin any woo-woo phrase, can't you, at the moment? And in doing the research for this episode, I have gone down a rabbit warren of critical articles saying any TikTokers telling people how to manifest something by chanting, any TikTokers taking the mickey out of listeners by telling them they can manifest a, a massive luxury car or an apartment in New York just by commenting on this post. Because hey, that stuff goes viral. It goes viral because like people just want to give it a go. They see no harm in trying. They'll comment on it. They'll do things. But ultimately, this is about creating your dream life. So in this concept, I talk about manifestation. I think of it as a way of making something that's an imaginary thing, a vision, and putting it into reality. Turning something you desire into the physical manifestation in your life. Now, in this show, I'm going to focus on how to manifest your dream life in terms of how you live, what you love, the things you do, unleashing your true potential while creating financial freedom and abundance. Can I really manifest my dream life? The science versus the woo-woo? Well, you've probably heard many stories like I have, and you may have even read some of the books. So books like The Secret talks about simply asking, believing, and waiting until you receive. Well, I don't think it's a magic lamp somehow. You know, there's not a genie in a lamp somewhere that you get to rub on it and just make your three wishes. There's a lot more to it. I kind of think it's a little bit of Zootopia and Moana, which is the struggle, the perseverance, overcoming obstacles to get what you want. And let's face it, nobody wants to be handed this stuff on a plate anyway. But let's start with a few real life stories. And you can probably think back of situations that you got exactly what you wanted and it almost felt spooky it was exactly what you wanted when you think about it you might have manifested your dream house your dream job your promotion your business in fact your first client you probably manifested it in that everything is created twice everything is created in the mind first and then you you go out and do the work don't you you focus on it so I am going to talk about the science here but First thing, I got a couple of crazy financial sort of things that I've manifested that almost sort of make it a little bit woo-woo, but that really there's probably just actions in there that made it happen. The first and probably biggest financial thing I manifested was our dream house. 
Um, not in that it was our dream house when we bought it. It was complete wreck and it stunk a wee, to be honest. Um, the kitchen, I don't know what they did in there. Maybe they had dogs or something, but it absolutely reeked of pee. And moving into that house, I had massive visions. But the day we moved, we had just about enough money to start a small extension. And I'd got grand plans of putting steels in, extending the back, wrap around the side. If you can imagine, I had this massive open plan, living, dining, kitchen area. And it was going to have granite worktops and it was going to be all light and airy. There was going to be these massive open doors, you know, those slidey doors that go fold right to the back so it opens into the garden. And I just had this vision in my mind of what I wanted it to look like. I remember thinking we're going to have this beautiful master suite with this ensuite bathroom. It's going to, I want the feel to be like you're in a luxury hotel. I want the bathrooms to feel like you've, you've gone to a five-star hotel and, and you're, you're lying in the bath and feeling just like you're in some magical place. You know that, you know the kind of thing. Did I have any financial means in which to make any of this happen? Categorically not. To manifest that into reality would have taken about £100,000 more than we had. But somehow through the winter where I was pregnant, where we had no roof on the house, where we weren't watertight, but we were having to live in it. We didn't have the money to go and rent somewhere else. We didn't have family that we could just go and live with, with, you know, two kids and, and me and him, me and Dave. And it was just too difficult. And I remember that winter, there was no roof on it. And I remember thinking, we will get the money to get roof tight, watertight. We will just get the money. And my husband was stressing. He was really stressed about it. He said, we've done the worst thing. This is a mistake. We went too big. We should have reined it back in. And I just remember feeling and thinking, we will make it happen. We will make it happen by hook or by crook. This house will get finished. It will be worth it. It will be our dream home. It will be everything I imagined. And we're going to get there. And even after that winter, so just before, just before the snow set in, we managed to get that roof watertight. We found a way to gather enough money to just get watertight. And the story even goes a little bit crazier than that because we we had a situation where we had to replace the boiler because we were moving it into the new utility room. And we had to move it at this point because otherwise it would completely hold up everything else. The new system had to be in place in order to get heating in the new rooms, in order to get it plumbed in. The boiler had to be on the wall and the boiler was going to be about £3,000 we didn't have £3,000 at the point of ordering this boiler. And for some bizarre, never ever happened, ever before, ever before crazy thing that happened, my dad decided to cash in some shares or something and gave me, my brother and my sister, a cheque for nearly £3,000. And I remember thinking, you have never, ever given me money, ever. I would never come and ask you for it. You would never give it me. It would never even be in a card for Christmas or for a birthday. Never money, never. It was just not his way of giving. And there there I was sat with this £3,000 cheque about to pay for a new boiler with no money going, wow, well, that's that's sorted. That solved that problem. You, you're wondering where I'm going on the woo-woo. I'm not going anywhere on the woo-woo. I, I leave the judgment and cast no judgment on what happened there. Maybe I put that out there. Maybe I told him. Maybe he decided to do that because he knew what we were going through. And isn't that just incredible? I have one other story um, that I might, I might not share today. I might just hold that one back for another episode when I can finally figure out what on earth has gone on there. Because I, like I like to explain things. 
cue absolute disbelief. I'm not clairvoyant. Was it science? Was it the universe? Was it the law of attraction they talk about in um, Think and Grow Rich? You know, I would have simply just worked my ass off, got noticed, said some things and it just kind of happened, you know. There were definitely moments where ideas came to us, where we asked for things, where we did what was necessary. So I'm not sticking my life on the line to say that there is some greater universe out there. I'm not going to do that just today. I'm not going to do that until I've proven on my 365 days of manifesting financial freedom how much stuff I actually had to do and how much stuff it just comes back because we're going to start noticing these things more and more. So unleashing your manifesting power using the science. So I'm going to just talk about a little bit of science here um, because I feel like we have to set the scene before you listen to the seven steps of living your best life so that you can decide which of Roxy's seven steps you want to embark on. And the first one is we've talked about recently, visualization. Athletes have practiced visualization as part of their training for years. I talk about Michael Phelps did this when he did the Beijing Olympics in 2008. You know, you visualize in your mind's eye the perfect I've written here a swear word, actually, it should say sprint. On my notes, I've written the perfect S-H-I-T. Well, no, the perfect sprint, the perfect length, the perfect shot, you know, a thousand times, they will practice this. So it's like you practicing the perfect presentation or interview question, you know, or whatever it is that you do, you know, it went so well because you rehearsed it in your mind. Covey said, everything is created twice. First, in your mind's eye the rockets, the electric cars, Disney with his vision for, well, Walt Disney with his vision for Disney. You know, if you're still not convinced that it's worth all this effort, then I can tell you that they, they tested people to learn how to play piano. And they had like three groups of people. So they had peeps, groups of people who actually played piano as part of practicing a particular tune. There are people who just imagined playing the piano and they had a third group and I forget what the third group does, but it's almost irrelevant. You get the gist here of where I'm going to go with this, don't you? You know exactly what the outcome is. The people who imagined playing the piano, just imagined playing those keys, were able to pick up, to go to a piano and basically play the tune. Just from imagining it, they learned it. So what does this show us? It shows us that this mind-body connection, it's huge. Don't ask, underestimate it. You know, you can train yourself to focus on whatever you want and to develop those skills. And ultimately, the science has shown that we don't even know the difference between imagination, mental walkthrough of something, or reality. It's all in our minds. It's all a memory. It stores it in exactly the same way. It feeds the same generation of serotonin and dopamine and other hits that happen. Last week, I visualized my next in-person stage talk. And as I was rising my arms, like imagining my intro, I smiled. Like the emotions were joy, even though I'd not done it yet. And I could think of all the words that were going to come out of my mouth. It is incredible. So join me. You know, you probably did this at some point in your, his in your past and you know it works. It might be imagining the birth of your first child, your wedding, your first trip, your holiday, maybe your first big paying client, your first buying your first home and walking in with the keys. You imagine something with all the emotion that you have tied to it and you feel it and experience it that your subconscious becomes incredibly aware of it. Anyway, the point of your body, the part of your brain that does this is called the reticular activating system. It does filtering and selecting of thousands of pieces of data every second. They, Tony Robbins does a really great activity in his one, one of his summits actually, where he basically says, close your eyes, look around, and now tell me all the things that are red, 
Now close your eyes and tell me all the things that were blue. I know you didn't notice anything that was blue because you were looking for all the things that were red. Now it's just a really good way of saying your brain is filtering and selecting based on the thing you are telling it to focus on. It's like when you have a new car and all of a sudden you're driving down the road and everyone seems to have the same car as you. You're filtering out what is deemed as unimportant and you're selecting on what you think is important. The visualization science really does work. Okay. Second, I got some tips that go with Roxy's seven steps, but you're probably saying, get to the seven steps, get to the seven steps. <laughs> what are we missing, Sue? Let's go through the seven steps and then let's come back to some tips that will really help you because you know, you can do these seven steps, but if you're doing them wrong, you will still not get what you want. You'll still not manifest your dream life. And when I say manifest, it's make something into reality. So by the way, love Roxy's book. If you want to check it out, it's a really good read. Um, it's by Penguin. Um, and then she does another one that is like a dive deeper. So maybe we'll do a session on that as well. Okay, step number one is to be clear on your vision. Key things here are your vision. It belongs to you. Step number two is to remove your fear and doubt. Basically, that's your limiting beliefs. In my coaching world, I call that building strength, removing resilience and removing those limiting beliefs. Number three is aligning your behavior. So this is doing the do. Number four is to overcome tests from the universe, aka obstacles. Now, in Roxy's book, she talks a lot about relationships like a reoccurring or reappearing, sorry, ex or a guy who doesn't want to commit to you. That's number four. But in reality, when I think about building your business or creating financial freedom, obstacles would be more like the website going down, the internet going down, something going wrong with your your lead funnel maybe, or you know, having a technical hitch right when you're about to deliver a live. I know lots of people who've gone live in Facebook groups recently and they've had a technical hitch. It's overcoming those tests and not, not taking them as a sign to just give in. Number five is to embrace gratitude, but without caveats. So in order, I call this, you know, coming from a position of strength is where you're experiencing gratitude. It's a high vibe energy. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel positive, optimistic and all the rest of it. But embracing gratitude without caveats means instead of saying, I'm so grateful I had this client, but I wish they'd pay more. Or I'm so grateful I have these clients, but I wished they were more like this ideal client that I wanted. That's caveats and that's not going to serve you. You've got to embrace gratitude for everything that you've been given because at some point you would have put an energy out there. You would have put a post out there or something out there that's appealed to those people and you've got to learn from it. You've just got to learn from it. All right, step two is to turn envy into inspiration. I do love that. There is this decision we talk about a lot when you're viewing something as to whether you want to view it and it's going to trigger you negatively or whether you're able to use that as inspiration thinking win-win relationships. And there's other sorts of books where they'll talk about creating versus competition. A bit like the Apple sort of mentality. Apple didn't go out to go into competition with anybody. They just went out to be them and to create in their vision. Okay, and number seven is to trust in the universe. If you do not believe in universe, energy, all that kind of stuff, then this one can be better described for you as surrendering. Surrendering to whatever comes, whatever outcome happens. So basically, you're focusing, as James Clear would say, on the inputs. When I focus on the inputs, you focus on doing your best work, on showing up as your most confident self versus thinking, well, what outcome am I going to get out of it? Is the outcome going to be 
big? Is it going to be bold? Is it going to be exactly what I wanted? Just surrender and know that whatever outcome you get, it'll be this or better and it might happen later. And here's another perspective, actually. Somebody came on the show once and they talked to me about knocking on doors. You know, part of manifesting is actually doing the work. You go and tell people what you're working on. You go and ask people if they will help you. And maybe those people you speak to don't help you. They don't know the answers, but they tell somebody else and another door opens for you. This is trusting that whatever shows up, whatever opportunity is, they're right for you. And just coupled with this with this book, I wanted to say that we're going to cover The Source by Tara Swart. The Source is a really great book for explaining the science that goes on behind this. So I'm going to cover some of it in this episode, but we're going to go deeper into this so that we can pick out the bits that really work for us. Okay, so that's Roxy's seven steps, but here's some things that are gonna map if you get them wrong. And the first thing is exactly what do you want? You know, if your dad wants you to do something, that's not okay, that's not your vision. You've got to find clarity. Then if you don't, then nothing will show up clearly because I found that often if you don't know exactly what you want, you don't have that, like the house thing, if you don't have that really clear vision, you're just not gonna get anywhere. You're gonna just keep hazily going somewhere but not really making any progress in anything you can't train your subconscious your ras to filter and select out the things if you're not very specific about the color the item you know and go on this is really important the second thing when she talks about removing fear and doubt this isn't an overnight thing this is something you it's like a muscle you've got to flex you know part of self-believing is is having positive psychology about what's possible for you and removing limiting beliefs. It comes from an abundance mindset, a growth mindset. But you've got to feel it and you've got to feel it regularly. You've got to keep revisiting those limiting beliefs that will keep showing up and getting you back in your comfort zone. You've got to remember the brain has got a negative bias. It's there to protect us. It comes from our caveman days. It's going to keep bringing you back in. I call it having your foot on the accelerator and your handbrake on. You're just not getting there. You're, you're dragging, it. it's friction. It's full of friction. It's hard work. There's resistance everywhere. Knowing that and then working on your limiting beliefs will really help you to release that handbrake and move forward with everything that you want to do. And that's why I'm so pro the future self work because stepping into your most powerful future self just enables you to pursue all of those positive outcomes. Then I just want to share one more thing when it comes to gratitude and what else she's sharing. According to positive psychologists, people who practice gratitude are more likely to hit goals. Why? That doesn't make any sense. What? Well, just because you're, you're practicing gratitude, it doesn't make any difference. Gratitude has been associated with happiness and optimism. If you're more optimistic, you're more solution orientated. So you're more likely to create the life that you want. But here's the thing. You can get to the point where you're so content, so with gratitude in the moment that they also say it can have a negative effect. It doesn't push you. There isn't enough stress and pressure to make you strive for those higher goals because you're perfectly content as you are. You're fulfilled. And that's where you need to get the balance right. I always have this conflict between feeling happy and content in the moment and feeling grateful for everything that you have, but at the same time, striving and wanting for more. I want more, I want this, I want to achieve this, and until I achieve this, I feel unhappy, or I feel stressed. 
But that pressure, that stress is what pulls you to a certain degree to do work that you wouldn't do. Because if you're completely comfortable and happy with and content with everything where you are forever, then you wouldn't do that work. And that's where it's getting the balance right. So do your gratitude, but maintain, maintain a perspective about where you want to be. I'm in my gratitude right now, but in five years time, I need to be here. And that means I've got to be driven enough to do the work. I've got to have enough stress and pressure to do the work, but from a place of strength, mental strength, positive psychology and gratitude. I want high energy vibes. And that leads me to the last thing I want to share from Roxy's book, which is talking about related to positive psychology. And I talked there about, you know, when you feel positive, you have more optimism. When you have more optimism, they say you are more likely to look for solutions. And in her book, really early on, it talks about high vibe feelings. Now, whether you believe in vibrations, whether you believe in the universe and the impact of them is largely irrelevant. It's more about how does this make you feel? Because we all know that when we walk into a room and somebody's got you know when there's a bad energy, you walk in a room and I, I, I'm sorry, I'm using these terms and if you're anti these terms, you're probably going to switch off now and say, so I'm never longer listening to you ever again. However, think about it this way. You walk into a room and you know when somebody's had an argument or somebody's in a bad mood and it's just emulating in the aura around everything. You can feel it and you don't want to be there. Their face says it all, their body language, their tone, maybe they're grunting, maybe they're not even speaking to you. Maybe it's not even your argument, but you can just sense the atmosphere, the vibration, the feeling. Well, this is kind of the same thing. If somebody's feeling worry, anxiety, sadness, jealousy, anger, despair, guilt, hatred, and fear, it's a really low vibe, a low vibe emotion. And when you have a low vibe emotion, it's really easy to get caught up in that negative spiral as a victim feeling like the world is happening to you, that life is happening to you and you have no control or influence over it. But then if you take the high vibe emotions, how much more do you enjoy being in that room? So if somebody's in that room and they feel peace, love, unconditional love, more importantly, joy, gratitude, and I'm reading from Roxy's book, gratitude, kindness, enthusiasm, optimism, hope, confidence, contentment, when they start to feel these high vibe emotions, you know, you walk into that room and you feel comfortable. It doesn't set you on edge. It's a positive high vibration. Who doesn't want to be around the person who feels peaceful all the time, who has gratitude and kindness and enthusiasm? I mean, that's that energy rubs off on you, doesn't it? Well, I hope there's a little bit of enthusiasm about this rubbing off on you right now. And when you pass that energy on, it's high vibe and it attracts people who have the same energy and the same high vibe like attracts like. So regardless of whether you believe in high vibe or low vibe emotions, believe if nothing else that when you feel or experience those emotions, it either gives you a feeling like I can take on the world, I can do everything, I can handle this, I feel strong and mentally resilient, or it's going to give you a feeling that it's down to fate, you're a victim, you're out of control. And if anything, what you want to do is flip that, you know, if you look, if you look at other theories, there theories about circle of influence and circle of control, it's the same sort of theory, if you like, we're basically saying that some of these emotions and some of these perspectives will give you a lot more control over manifesting your dream life. I hope that you have enjoyed and found this episode incredibly useful for understanding how you can manifest your dream life. I want you to head over to socials. Let me know. Do you love this topic? Do you want to hear more? 
head over to socials and drop me a DM. Don't forget to tag this episode in one of your posts and share your biggest lesson. And as always, don't forget to share this with somebody else who you might find needs inspiring and empowering on their own journey. Take care. Speak to you soon. Bye. Congratulations for showing up and being one of the 8% that actually turn their dreams into reality. I appreciate you for listening and I am committed to helping you improve the quality of your life. For more resources, make sure you check out the show notes underneath. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave me a five-star review. And remember, you are incredible. And if you dream it, you can achieve it. Bye.